Well, I want to say hello again to Westwood here, as well as all of our campuses, Bush Lake, West Tonka, our online community joining us in as well. And I have a great friend of mine right here. This is Dr. Sammy Wagnoni. Sammy uh, leads an organization called Shine, which is based here in the Twin Cities, but doing work, evangelistic work, all over the world. And you are a part of Westwood. You've preached here before. You've been here almost 20 years? About 20 years. Okay, yeah. so this is a member of our family. And uh, Pastor Joel and I gave you a call a few weeks ago, months ago, and said, would you encourage our community during the Book of James series? And you were an enthusiastic yes, even though you flew back yesterday. Last evening. From, from Mozambique. Mozambique. Okay, yeah. so you're going to hear more about that amazing work <laughs> that God has done in and through your ministry. It's a joy to have you, Dr. Sammy. Thank and you. here and across all of our campuses, can we give him a hand clap and welcome here to preach. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I just love uh, Pastor Clint and, you know, just uh, the many years that we've been able to know each other and uh, share together in the ministry, both here and around the city. Uh, what a blessing. Um, I know he was very much a blessing to our Marge uh, Twin Cities mission, uh, and we have another Marge Twin Cities mission that will be taking off, and I know he's going to be at the very center of that. Uh, Twenty years ago, I met uh, Pastor Joel at uh, Bethel Seminary. At that time, I was a student and uh, taking a class on evangelism. I wasn't supposed to be in that class, uh, but uh, somehow I felt a prompting to go and sit in it. Uh, I, I was just curious, you know, is this, you know, is this professor um, that is going to be teaching this class? And I had tested out one, and then I thought, I'll go test out this other one before I decide which one to attend. Um, and so I sat in the front, in the middle, you know, I'm, 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 I'm there, I'm trying to figure out who is the best professor that I want to sit with. Um, and uh, in walks Joel, never met him before, and uh, he scans the class, we're about 20 of us in the room, and then his eyes land on me, and he looks at me, he goes, you must be an evangelist. And I was like, okay. Um, I thought maybe he picked me out because I was the one black kid in the room. Uh, but then he went on to say, you know, uh, I, I think I have something to do with your ministry, and so can I talk to you at the end of this class? Uh, and so later on, I went and talked with him, and he said, you know, this has never happened to me before, but as soon as I walked into this classroom, I felt a clear prompting of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and uh, understanding that you are an evangelist, and I have something to do with your ministry. Uh, now, I had been praying that day about, you know, God bring a pastor in my life that knows what it means to launch a ministry, and I'm, you know, because I have never launched one before. I don't know what it means to, to lead an organization. And lo and behold, God brought Joel. And I'm so grateful because over the last 20 years, as we've teamed up, you know, first as his intern, then I ended up launching the ministry, him being one of our, our key leaders, pastors. You know, we've brought the gospel of Jesus to over 10 million people around the world. Isn't God good? Amen. And not only that, you know, we've seen over half a million of them give their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, in fact, this last week, as you heard, I was in Mozambique. Uh, while Heather was in Malawi, I was across the border in Mozambique. 
and we were texting back and forth because uh, I had our equipment. They were stuck on the Malawi-Mozambique border. Um, and here we were, we were ready to start a crusade and the equipment, because Mozambique didn't have anything we could use and we were bringing it in from Tanzania. And so our team had had to move all the way from Tanzania through Malawi into Mozambique and they were stuck at the border. They will not be let in. Uh, and so I was asking her, please pray because we need this equipment here. We have tens of thousands of people ready to hear the gospel of Jesus. Eventually, the equipment got there, and we saw tens of thousands of people give their lives to Christ. Um, in fact, I have a short video that I want to show you quick before I delve into the rest of the message, if we can play that. Mozambique is a country in Southeast Africa, and there are people here in the city of Nampula and in Mozambique in general that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The city of Nampula is 88% Muslim. Everything we do here at Shine is for and through the local church. One of the great things we saw God do here uh, was to see the unity of the church. 1,500 local churches participated in the mission. This was the first time ever for them to be together as the church and it was amazing. In the United States, we, uh, we were able to uh, rally uh, believers from a number of churches, um, some Pentecostals, some Baptists, some Lutheran, uh, but united in the call to fulfill the Great Commission. And we've been able to go out and share the gospel in the streets, uh, in the neighborhoods. Uh, at the close of the week of outreach, uh, we had a three-day evangelistic crusade in the local stadium. It was a historic moment that has never, ever happened in this region before, in this city before. And I tell you what, God was moving, uh, God was working, drawing his people to himself as the gospel went out God was demonstrating his word during these three days of evangelistic crusade and we saw thousands of people come to Jesus as a result. always to see the thousands and thousands of people that give their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, but then, you know, just like the scriptures say, when the disciples went out preaching the gospel, God confirmed his word with signs and wonders following. And here, it was no different. We saw people being healed. We saw deliverance, people being set free from demonic oppression. And we saw miracles, bodies being healed, bones being strengthened. And the power of the gospel is able to transform lives and to bring revival, healing, deliverance, salvation. God is moving, and whether in America, in Europe, in Asia, anywhere you can think about, 
God's power is present. And as we go forth in the confidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will see nations changed. We will see cities transformed by the power of the gospel, just like we've seen, you know, a punch in the air and atmosphere of Mozambique while we were here in Nampula. Amen. Amen. Yeah, the passage that we are focusing on this morning is uh, James chapter 4, uh, from verse 13 through uh, verse 17. Now, in there, hidden in it, is a question that God asks us. And I want us to think about it, because anytime God asks us a question, there is always a reason. One, he either wants us to change our direction of life and look in a different way, or he wants us to go deeper with him in the path in which we are walking, or God is also looking to expand our horizon so that our way of understanding and knowledge and growth is deepened with him. And it is not different in this passage of Scripture where God is asking us a very important question. And that question is, what is your life? What is your life? Now, I'll read the passage of Scripture for us here. Uh, It says in verse 13, starting from verse 13, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that, as it is. You boast in your arrogance, in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin to them. Um, James is bringing us, uh, bringing life into perspective for us. And he wants us to understand that, you know, life is more than the plans that we have. It is more than the money that we might make. It is more than the dreams that we may have in and of ourselves. And this question that he's asking, what is your life? He wants us to grasp and understand that life is bigger. Life is more. Life is broader. Life has an eternity to it. It is not just this temporal world and reality in which we are living, there is much more that we have to consider as we go through life's journey. He's speaking, of course, to those of us who have a business like mind. He says, you know, some of you say tomorrow we will wake up, we'll go to New York City. Tomorrow we'll wake up, we'll go to Denver, Colorado. Tomorrow we'll go to Dublin or to London. We're going to carry out business. Tomorrow we'll go to Delhi or Nairobi. I will tour the world. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to invest in the stock market or invest in 
cryptocurrency, whatever you want to invest in, and I will make money out of it, and I'm going to have so much fun doing so. Now, he reminds us, he says, you know, you, your life, your life is like a mist. You don't even know what is going to happen tomorrow. You know, the other day I was out playing a round of golf after preaching, um, and I was hanging out with some friends uh, that had traveled with me. And on this golf course, there was a lot of mist. You could hardly see where the ball was going. You know, a few times I tried to hit it straight, and I could not see where it ended up. You know, and my golf is not that good. <laughs> and I was hoping that the mist would disappear. Maybe I might get a better shot. And sure enough, after a few hours, about a couple hours later, the mist had disappeared. You know, it looked so uh, dark and, 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 and uh, uh, misty. It looked like as if it was like snowing. And, uh, but yet, after a moment, the mist disappeared. The, path, the, the fairways cleared. And we could be able to see the greens with great clarity. The mist was temporary. And James is reminding us, telling us that our life is like that. It is like a mist that might be there, that make it look difficult and, 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 and foggy. And it, cover, it covers everything. And yet, in a little moment, it changes and it disappears. It clears. You know, today as we look at this word and look at this message, I fully trust and fully believe that God is speaking to you. Because he wants you to change your life, how you look at it, the way you, you, you make decisions, the way you approach life, the way that you consider and plan your business, the way that you go about raising your family, the way that you go about, you know, uh, planning your, your work, how you wake up each and every day. I believe and I trust that God is speaking to you and God wants you to change how you approach it. If you are a very independent person that does things in and of themselves or by yourself. I remember a few, several weeks ago, um, I was uh, in a meeting. I was, going, I was waiting for somebody for a meeting in a diner. Uh, I was at the original pancake house there. And they sat me down at a table. And here comes this man. Um, I was waiting for my guest, and uh, he came, and he was seated next to me, and we were just about, you know, a foot apart, and the waiter, you know, came, and he was so excited, he said, uh, and he told me, you know, Mr. So-and-so has been coming here for 40 years, he was an older man, uh, he eats his breakfast here every single day whenever he's in town, and I got excited, I said, wow, that's amazing, 40 years, he's been coming here I said, wow, sir, that is pretty incredible. And I said, no, if you would allow me the honor, I would love to buy your breakfast today. And my, 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 what a mistake I made. <laughs> because the man got so upset with me that I was offering him something. He said, I never, I never let anybody give me anything. I am self-sufficient. I pay my own bills. My life, I, I have everything under my own control. I do not allow anyone, anybody, get me anything. Ha. I thought, what a pity. Because the reality is that we all need someone else in our life. 
And James reminds us that our life, even when we think we have control, it is like a mist that appears now and tomorrow it is gone. His exhortation, his call is that if we want a purposeful life, to live a meaningful life, then we have to approach life differently. We have to realize that we need God at the core of our being. We need him to be part and parcel of our decisions. Now, James is not telling us that, you know, planning is bad. No, planning is good. He's neither saying planning is bad, nor making money is bad, or traveling is bad. All of those things are great. It is fun to be able to travel. I mean, I've traveled, um, I don't know, several million miles, almost a couple million miles now in the last 20 years with Delta Airlines. <laughs> and every time now I sit on the plane, they come, oh, we recognize, you know, you are a double million miler. <laughs> and it is wonderful, you know, because I get the parks from doing that. Some of you are Delta attendants, you know. Here I am. <laughs> Next time, please extend the honors to my family as well. <laughs> what James is saying is this, that presumption about tomorrow is wrong and naive. We do not have control over our next breath. Only God does. What he's saying is this, that we should not leave God out of the picture of our lives and business. He's the one who gives us the power to make wealth. What he's saying is this, that we should not pursue money and possessions as the ends in and of themselves. They are a means for a greater good. They pass pretty quickly. What he's saying is that, you know, we should not shortchange our lives by pursuing material things or earthly plans at the expense of the eternal ones. Your best life now is in view of eternity, the center of God's will. That's where we ought to exist. That is where we ought to carry out our lives. That is where we ought to do our planning. But there is no separation between our business and our spiritual life. But they are integrated in Christ Jesus. And that we are to be reliant on his wisdom, on his counsel, on his guidance, on his direction, on a daily basis, rather than doing things on our own. He's reminding us that Christ should have the place of preeminence in our lives rather than us being at the center of our own life. You see, Jesus spoke about it in a, in a, in a parable. It is found in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. And it says this, And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain man yielded an abandoned harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crop. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. 
then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Did you see what Jesus or what, what Jesus is telling us there? God is asking this big question of this man. He says, you fool, who will get what you have stored up for yourself? That is a question of reflection that needs to be answered by this man. But of course, it is a little too late. You know why? Because when he had an opportunity to respond the right way, he missed it. And God wants us to realize and to remember and to, uh, and to engage with him with the knowledge and understanding that this life, without him at the center of it, it is temporary and we do not have control. We do not. We do not have control over the next breath, even if we might be, you know, uh, wealthy or poor or rich or whatever we might be. You know, we might be powerful in the eyes of the world, but we do not have control over the next uh, breath that we get to take. And so he wants us to realize that we should have God at the core of our life. Remember, Jesus says, this night your life will be demanded of you. In other words, there is accountability at the end of the day with this man as he is there in the presence of God. So with that knowledge, you know, then how ought we to live? James tells us this, that we should instead say, if this is your will. Now, when I first read that, I was like, what? If this is your will? Now, I know that sometimes we take that and we miss, totally misapply it in our lives. You know, some people say, oh yeah, if it is God's will to heal me, he's going to heal me. Well, God says it's his will to heal us. And so we should pray with that confidence in him, right? When the scripture is talking about this, you know, Jesus is not just saying, oh, you should therefore slap words at the beginning of every sentence and say, if it is God's will, I'm going to go to LA. No. What he's saying is this, that you should know and seek out God's will clearly every day and then walk in that confidence. You see, why I was so unsettled is because I had grown up with some Muslim people around me, and every time before they would say anything, inshallah, you know, uh, before they say something, inshallah, which means if Allah wills. And I thought to myself, is the Bible saying that's how we should do it too? But in reality, God is not just saying use words and slap words at the beginning of your sentence. He's saying, know my will. And God has revealed his will through his son, Jesus Christ. It is God's will that we might all be saved, right? And so if you're here this morning and you're not born again, guess what? This is God's word for you. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. God reveals his word through his servants, thus of us, maybe preaching like this morning, and I fully know that God is speaking to many of you here, giving you his word in the season. Listen to it and follow it. And God speaks to us through circumstances, through his Holy Spirit as we listen quietly, through the promptings in our hearts. He reveals his will and purpose to our lives. 
And James's exhortation for us is that know that will and follow that will and trust that will and pursue that will of God because that is where you'll find your safety and security. That is where you're going to find the fullness and the purpose of God for what he wants you to be and live out each and every day. Life is best lived at the center of God's will. And so our primary preoccupation and prayer should be that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, whether with our money, with our time, with our treasures, talents, you know, all of that. We should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all his things will be added to us. Finally, in verse 17, he tells us that we should seek to do good. And he says, if anyone knows the good they should do and they do not do it, guess what? It is sin for them. You are violating God's principle. You are violating God's call. You are violating his purpose for your life. John Wesley put it rightly when he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. What a great exhortation. And speaking of money, he says, earn all the money you can, save all you can, and give all you can. You know, here at Westwood, we talk about, you know, receiving from God with open hands, right? And then with open hands, giving it all away because we cannot outgive God. You know, that's another way of putting it. And so James exhorts us. He says, you know, give it away. Do the good. In other words, you're a steward. You're a steward of time. You're a steward of your resources. You're a steward of your talents. And you ought to do what God has given and entrusted you to do with all these things that he's given to you. John Wesley continues to say, money is an excellent gift of God, answering the noblest ends. In the hands of God's children, it is the gospel to the poor. See, I I can never preach the gospel of Jesus without people giving to what he does. Reinhard Bonke used to say it well. He said, you know, if the gospel is the vehicle, money is the tires that take it, you know? And so it takes the the, the, the resources of God's people, all of us doing what we do to bring about God's purposes on the face of the earth. Money is the gospel to the poor, food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, and clothes for the naked. That's what he says. One of my friends, uh, a great man that I respect, he's, uh, he lives out in Mankato, uh, John Royce. He owns uh, Lindsay Windows, and John used to serve on the board at Bethel when I was a student there. He served on the board with Joel, I remember. And... Uh, um, I often check in with him and, you know, just ask for his wisdom and he said a statement to me that I thought was remarkable. His wife, Sue, went to be with the Lord about two years ago, and together they had determined and said this, my estate plan is to die so that the last check to the funeral home almost bounces. (laughs) And I don't want to face Jesus with money in my bank account. You know, and I was like, wow, that is an amazing way to live. And he's not just saying he lives out that life on a daily basis. 
I remember he was one of a thousand people that committed to give a, a million dollars, you know, over their lifetime to the cause of the gospel uh, when they were challenged by Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade. And not only that, but he's been able to give many, many times over, million dollars every time to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When his wife Sue died, you know, they decided, we're going to give a million dollars. You know, even though he says, you know, I, we didn't have the money quite yet, but we had faith. You know, and so uh, he was telling me the other day, he's like, yeah, I fulfilled that. We were able to do it, even in death. God is awesome. Now, consider this. Supposing you lived in the antebellum south, right, before the Civil War, and you had accumulated lots of southern currency, right? You had accumulated a lot of southern currency, and then the Civil War happens, and then you realize that the south has lost the war to the north, and the rest of the country are using the northern currency, even though in the south you're still using some of the southern currency. What are you going to do? You know that over time, the entire United States will need to use the northern currency. You know, if, I am, if it's me, I'm going to take what I have, while it still has value, and convert it into the northern currency so that when it becomes obsolete, I still have enough resources from the rest of the country. I may keep a little bit to supply whatever I need in the moment, but I'm going to change everything into the U.S. dollar, right? And in the same way, James wants us to look and live life with a view of eternity, to make a difference, to do the good, to glorify God, to seek the purposes of God, to fulfill the ends of the kingdom of God, because here we are passers-by. It is a temporal situation we are in, and we are on our way to eternity, on our path where life is going to be demanded of us, as Jesus reminds us. This morning, as I come to a close, you know, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that we come into this deep place of the knowledge of the person of Jesus and a place of surrender. The entire context of this passage is talking about the need to lay down pride and the need to embrace humility, the need to let go of boasting, and the need to embrace the mission and the purpose of God, the need to minimize ourselves and let go and die to the self and to live again to Christ as the sole center of our being. This is the call of God to all of us. It is not so that we just, you know, subsist in life and, you know, walk through life and do our own thing. We ought to be connected to the source, to the king, to the Lord, to the master of our lives. This is the call that James is calling us to. It is that simple, right? That we are to be connected to Christ. That this is the life that we are supposed to live. And so I want to ask us this morning, as we hear this exhortation, there is an area in your life that you need to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, to have him have the lordship and the kingship and the dominion. There is an aspect where that has to do with your money, your time, your talent, your family, your work, 
your travels, your leisure. What is it? The things, the toys probably you collect. Have you asked the Lord about it? Is he at the center of your conversation? He wants us to consider this because the only way you can truly live and be satisfied is when he's at the center of it. I'd like for us to rise to our feet this morning as we pray. The scriptures remind us and tell us, you know, the word of God is quick and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder bone and marrow, soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And I know that this morning the word of God is coming to you. It's a life. You know, this word that, that we speak, it's not just words. I'm not here to give a lecture or a speech. I'm here to tell you the word of God and to help you be able to discern the mind of the Spirit of God. And you can hear it clearly this morning. It is possible that as we are here and as we pray, you know, you have never even given your life to Jesus, and this is the beginning point, where you know that you ought to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. I invite you to do so today. Heavenly Father, we bow before you in surrender because you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the master of the universe, the glorious risen Savior. You have conquered death. You have risen again, and you live forevermore. Your word is a life. It gives us hope and joy, beginning and end, satisfaction and fulfillment each and every day. And I pray in Jesus' name that we find that this morning. If you are here and you've never given your life to Christ, even as we are bowed in prayer, see, I'm an evangelist. I don't want to let you go home without confessing and encountering the person of Jesus. You know that this is the word for you, and you ought to give and open yourself up to Christ. I want to pray with you as we are bowed in prayer. If you can just indicate by raising your hand right now, I'd love to pray with you wherever you are. Thank you. Raise it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you, all of you that are raising your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus sees you and he loves you. He wants to start that relationship with you right now. So if you can pray, those of you that are raising your hands and all of us, we can join in and pray with them. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I recognize I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me a new creation. Make me your son and daughter. I lay down my life. May you pick me up and make me your own. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, the Bible says as many as received him, as many as believed in his name, he gave them the power to become children of God. Children born not of the flesh and blood, but born of the Spirit. And that is what you are encountering right now. 
And I pray that the Spirit of God will continue to walk in and through you and strengthen you as you discover and grow in the purposes of God this morning. God bless you so much.